Welcome back to Historical Homos, the world's only no-fucks-given guide to queer history. And my God, do we have a doozy for you today, my little hormones. Alexander the Great murdering bisexual fuckboy. Let's unpack that, shall we? Now, we call him Alexander the Great because history loves to call men great when they're really, really great at killing people. And there's no doubt that Alexander's blissfully short life made an impression. He mastered the known world, or his known world at any rate, before he was 30. Even Jesus didn't move that quickly. He seems to have believed that by leaving his native Macedon to conquer Greece and a bunch of other countries to the east, he could create some kind of multi-ethnic, Greek-dominated international utopia. Spoiler alert, he couldn't. His empire fractured into pieces after he died. Despite his short life, Alexander had a huge influence on the ancient world. And while my pansy ass prefers to think of him as a skilled murderer, he was also one of us. A friend of Dorothy. A sodomite. A pig slut bottom, if we're getting technical. Because let's face it, gays are allowed to be evil too. In fact, I personally encourage it. As Divine once said, Kill everyone! Condone first-degree murder! And who could forget, Eat shit! Eat shit! It's true that Alexander married two foreign princesses during his conquests, but by the time he got around to actually impregnating them, he had a Persian eunuch boyfriend and was getting ready to throw his childhood roommate, I'm using quotes, roommate, Hephaestion, the most fabulous funeral the ancient world had ever seen. So the question is, what cis straight hell produced this evil twink monster? Who was Alexander the Man? And would we ever invite him on a girl's trip? And of course, ultimately, in the year of our Lana Del Rey 2023, should anyone give a shit? It's time to slip on your Speedos and dive on in. Because the water is... The what? Fuck. Line? It's human temperature. Human temperature. The water is human temperature. Before we get into it, we do have a bittersweet announcement. My co-host, Donal, is unfortunately no longer with us. He has left for another project, which means that I, a single mother, have had to turn to my family for resources. And like most rich people, they have given me absolutely no money. But they did send my little sister, Lucy. Hi. Now, Lucy is straight, bravely, a woman. And generally pretty averse to reading. But she has seen every single episode of Love Island. Vanderpump Rules is the one I told you to say. God. Okay. But she has seen every episode of Love Island and Vanderpump Rules. And there are many different forms of intelligence in this world. So we welcome her. She's also my best friend, I'll admit it. And the visual graphical genius behind the Historical Homos brand. So if you've been on our Instagram, you've seen her work. Thank you. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> ladies and gentler, <coughs> ladies and gentler ladies, 
please welcome Lucy to the Historical Homos podcast. <laughs> Yay! Round of applause. You're so welcome for having me. Thank you for joining. You're welcome. Um, you are not my best friend is something I would like to start with and make very clear before we get into this. Cool. I am doing you a favor and mom is paying me. Right. I did feel that in bringing you on, this would be a chance for all of straight kind to be re-educated through you. Mm. And of course, there's a double sort of, it's not really re-education in your case, it's just plain education. I thought that this would be a chance for you to kind of learn the history of the world for the first time in your godforsaken life. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I don't know if I actually care. Mm. Well, that's the, that is the target of, the, of every episode of this podcast. Does Lucy care? See how I set that up? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's going to be very interesting. I I think the point that we need to point out is that... <laughs> Good. No, it's going great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember words. Um, I did read a book last year, though. Um, I think we need to point out that the whole point is that I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what any of this means. True. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of Alexander the Great? I have, because... Um, and we should just jump right in to Macedonia, I think. Oh, of course. Of you do course. have a connection I have to a Macedonia. Connection. Alexander the Great was from Macedonia. Okay. Well, um, I know about Macedonia and I guess Alexander the Great, but not really Alexander the Great. I know of the great Dr. R, who is my psych psychotherapist. Your psychiatrist is from Macedonia. Yeah. And he is probably... Big fan of the pod, by the way. Yeah. He's always said that this is going to be going to be an incredible incredible um endeavor which i obviously have taken full credit for in our sessions mm. um well the thing i love about dr r is that he's always around and always has something to say about me it seems how much do you talk about me in your sessions you is don't my question you don't come up very frequently that really seems unlikely it's mostly our deceased father that i talk about mm. and also worms yeah, the thing about me and Lucy that you guys need to understand is that our dad died. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> no, but it seriously, sucked. it's my favorite joke. Um, So, okay, I think that we should get straight into our first segment, which I'm calling a straight apology. It's a straight apology. Now, each week... I will present the story of a straight person who has grievously wronged humanity. And Lucy, who represents all of straight people, will apologize. It's a big undertaking. So this one I found actually watching the that thing Dope Sick about the Sackler family. I haven't read that TV show. <laughs> and they said, um, so they were they're talking about like the idea of legacy, and they bring up Alfred Nobel, who of the Nobel Peace Prize who in fact became incredibly rich and famous for literally inventing dynamite. Sick. <laughs> so he invented a lot of weapons, actually. He was like an, a chemical engineer. He was all sorts of science nerd, whatever. He spoke like six languages. So um, basically you. Right. Similar, except not gay and therefore evil. <laughs> he invented all of these explosives and weapons. His two brothers were also very rich, uh, having moved to Russia and become oil tycoons. So not only was he blowing up the world, but he was also pumping it for all of its natural resources. Is he single? <laughs> and Sounds great. In fact, he believed that 
kind of like the people who created the atom bomb, you know, and uh, who created nuclear bombs. He was like Oppenheimer. No, he was. <laughs> so when someone pressed him on being basically a weapons dealer mm -hmm. he said well madam perhaps my factories will put an end to war sooner on the day that two armies can mutually annihilate each other in a second all civilized nations will surely recoil with horror and disband their troops which we know is exactly what happened of course of course the more weapons you have the easier it is to dispel violence from iran contra scandal of course of course etc et <laughs> um and so I, I I love that. I love that he's the guy who's like, no, we, we actually need more guns in schools to protect children. And the other funny thing about him is that when he died, so when his brother died, they apparently ran an obituary in Paris about him instead. And so like a mistake obituary. Okay. And so he read his he read his own obituary. That's my greatest dream. I want to go to my own funeral. Even though, well, we could probably arrange that. Um, so that the newspaper so that <laughs> so that you kill me and then they accidentally run your obituary no but they published it in paris the the headline was and of course lucy also speaks french so you'll be hearing a lot i actually of, speak uh, french better than bash sure and an illiterate form of french <laughs> so the the title of the article was Le marchand de la mort est mort. The merchant of death is dead. Mm. And so he saw this and he was like, well, that's not great branding. And then came up with the idea to do the Nobel Peace Prize so that all of his fortune, which was worth like hundreds of millions of dollars at the time, um, so that all of his fortune would be donated to this foundation and be given to people who were doing good science things and peace things. And so blah, he blah, was blah. still allowed to do bad things because he did something nice? Well, the, no, in summary, that's the, what you're saying. The result, <laughs> the result of what he did is that he spent his entire life, 100, uh, 150 years ago, making weapons. Mm -hmm. And now we only know the name Nobel through the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, I see what you're doing here. Okay, yes. So you're giving context. So he's completely <laughs> gotten away with being a murdering pig bastard. <laughs> and I. Just wonder if you have anything to say on his behalf. Well, you know, I am here to first and foremost apologize, I would say, for most straight people. Um, as That's you it. Know. That's all you okay. have to say. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm sorry that the Nobel Peace Prize is something that as the gay community hates. Drenched in blood. I'm sorry that you don't like, um, you know, when stuff go moves forward. What's it called? Evolution, not evolution. <laughs> progress. Progress. You don't yeah. like progress and scientific moving forward. <laughs> anyway, so a straight apology. You heard it here first for Alfred Nobel. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I'm That's really, really, really sorry. Real. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. Um, okay, before we get this episode underway, I think that we do need to do our ritual of Sacrifice. sacrificing to the gods of um, course i have brought the very last couple of grams of my um face antifungal cream <laughs> because i have dermatitis um and so i have to put this cream on every day otherwise i get red blotches everywhere so i'm sacrificing that 
don't put it in to the gods okay um i realized i probably should have thought about this before about the mic um I'm just a little preamble. I was going to bring an egg to uh, symbolize my forthcoming. Your most valuable possession. My forthcoming. One of, one of your eggs. Yeah. I was go- Well, my forthcoming period, it was going to symbolize that. And also the fact that, which will be in a few days, um, but also the fact that I just hit puberty um, and everything just <laughs> arrived. But as I was rummaging through our mother's, who we share, um, jewelry box to find something to wear, I happened upon this envelope that says bash on it and it is filled with your hair (laughs) and there is no other envelopes with hair so that's my baby hair this is your baby hair i'm gonna sacrifice some of it and we'll see what happens that's worth millions with your pimple cream there's a lot more in here i don't know what the fuck she (laughs) did it's like a full head's worth of hair in there she's really weird jesus christ it's like one of those little (laughs) it's like if there was a baby monk you know the like it's like a little ringlet wow it's like a wow look how different your hair it's actually really beautiful blonde hair yeah what happened why hasn't it like gone gray or something because it's not attached to the root, so it's dead. There's some you need to read special power in there. Um, okay, that's amazing. So there you go. O- open hands, half smile. The prayer is complete. <laughs> the gods have blessed this episode. I claim this in the name of Hecate, mother of witches. Act one: A murderous star is born. Time and place. So, and hey, feel free to ask any questions, okay? I want, because I assume that your knowledge level is below zero for this. Absolutely. Time and place. We're in Macedon, which is just north of Greece, around the 350s BC. Big up, Dr. R. Big up, Dr. R. Prozac is great. Macedon is considered a backwoods, the backcountry, bumblefuck nowhere, Everyone is uncouth there. Everyone is more violent there. They even don't do regular pederasty, which are are the gay relationships where there's an older man and a younger teen. Uh, They do just like straight up sodomy with everyone. So So they do anal? Yeah, that's That's, what I meant by sodomy. Okay, no, it's just they sound awesome. Yeah, no, so they're fun. I would say that if Athens is like London, then they are like the Highland Scottish people, you know, that's sort of the different, that's how they see each other. I feel like or they, that's how the Athenians who are the main Greeks at, of this period see the Macedonians. I feel like they would be more the people like in the North, um, like the people that were on Geordie shore. Jo- yeah. But they're also seen as kind of, they live in bumblefuck nowhere. You know, it's, it's like back country. Okay. They, they're not urban in the same way that the Athenians are racist. So Alexander the Great is born in 356 BC to Philip II of Macedon and one of his wives, Olympias. First of all, he's born rich, so that's a sleigh. Sounds great. And he is also, I think, we don't know the exact date of his birth, but it seems that he was born in August at some point. So he's either a Leo or a Virgo. And I'm, I'd, I would like to believe that this megalomaniac who conquered the known world was probably a Leo. I think definitely a Leo because mom's a Leo and I think I they have say, a lot in common. It's giving mom energy. It's definitely giving mom energy. Also, I'd just like to confirm for my own brain, BC, before Christ? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, totally. just double checking. What does the E stand for when they do, is it existed? Before Christ. Evolved? 
eats. <laughs> um, no, it means before the common era. So that was invented to be like not religious and not base things. Oh, religious non conforming. Right. <laughs> your identity hmm. so let's cover the parents because the parents are really the reason that alexander turned into such a murderous psycho nut job hmm. philip the Se- let's start with the father philip ii was actually a pretty successful ruler his ambition was to bring in in terms of you know bringing people into line his ambition was to bring greece together and greece was just a bunch of city-states athens sparta thebes of course favorite is thebes i know and he actually where he he actually lived in Thebes and learned all of these like all of the Greeks military secrets and then took them back to Macedon and spoiler alert used them against all of the Greeks that's genius a very you move and it actually using them against the Greeks included a very homophobic battle in which he killed a literal army of gay guys which i will get to in a moment but overall philip was a bit of a bully Definitely abusive emotionally and physically, but who wasn't at the time? They got my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and the mother, um, sorry, that actually distracted me so much <laughs> that I moved on without finishing my thought. Um, so Philip was abusive, like Lucy's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and he was also a womanizer. He was constantly marrying all of these different princesses to build alliances. And his... His but his big ambition was to dominate Greece. That was his dominate. Big the mother is a real piece of work, as they would say, as many prominent f- feminists would say. <laughs> is she a Leo too? She, I have no idea. I don't. Do I, some I don't. Research, okay? I don't. I don't think her birth date is known to us. But she is the real like psycho behind Alexander's um, issues. Like your therapist said to you about mom recently, right? Mrs. Bates. <laughs> Let's get into that at a later date. Okay. One scholar says Alexander, quote, never cared for any woman except his terrible mother. <laughs> now that is exactly what my therapist said. <laughs> Love you, mom. So Olympias is the fourth wife. Wipe. <laughs> Olympias is the fourth wife of Philip II of Macedon, but she is the first to give him a son. So Alexander is the firstborn heir okay however she tells alexander that zeus is her his real father and that they're descended from the great hero achilles who is also a historical homo as you know from reading the song of achilles by madeline miller i actually never read that i just you gave me the book i know you didn't i have that other one i was trying to catch you out no did you read that one no of course not (laughs) (laughs) so she has a dream on her and philip's wedding night that there's all this thunder and then a lightning bolt hits her womb and it catches on fire and then all the flames spread all over the place and then just extinguish she should be medicated at the time this basically counted for scientific proof that zeus was (laughs) her father actually seriously the the ancients believed that dreams were very real in a way that they were real portent portents so omens oh if you will yeah no that makes sense but like so she got lightning fucked by zeus <laughs> she got raw dogged by zeus's lightning bolt that's not a euphemism she got like third railed electricity railed she got third railed by zeus okay yeah well, how isn't she dead uh it was a dream <laughs> <laughs> right so i'm listening olympias also terrifies philip her husband because she has this fun habit of sleeping with snakes in her bed 
she's very into all of these weird cults and stuff, and she comes from even more backwoods country than Macedon. So she even takes to sleeping with one particularly giant snake in bed, which I think we can all agree is kind of unfair to Philip's one-eyed monster. It's It's the dream. Why is it the dream? Why wouldn't you want to sleep with a snake that doesn't talk back? Right. Well, and they did uh, they did assume that she was forking the snake and that that was part of her, you know, orgiastic rites and whatever. Why is it that every word just has astic at the end in history? Like every time you talk to me about <laughs> things like this, there's just astic added. Heterastic. Is that mm, it? Is yeah. that a word? Yeah. Cool. That is a word. So that's my point. And you know what, folks, we're going to get into <laughs> that more. So Philip basically thought that she was a witch. And to him, I guess that was a turnoff. Uh, she she was also his, as I said, fourth wife. So that not fourth wife in a row. Philip was a polygamist, oh. as many Macedonians were at the time. He's marrying all these different princesses for these political alliances. And then they are always having royal children. So Olympias is trying to, is scared that people are going to start coming for her son, who is the firstborn heir. So is out wait, is Alexander the first son altogether yes. of all of the of all the rats. So people yes. like want to potentially. Okay. That doesn't seem to actually have happened and Olympias Well, is, yeah, we know from uh, history. As we'll see <laughs> as no, but it doesn't seem like there were plots to kill him, I don't think, when he oh. was a kid. But his mother is always whispering in his ear, you need to be the best. You need, I mean, again, again the, the really parallels with mom. our mother are insane. <laughs> but he's he's always competing for daddy's attention, right? Because all of these other little children are running around and could potentially be Got given it. more favor than him. Sort of like how you would run around trying to get dad's attention away from me, but he really fundamentally But ultimately loved me. failing. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Moving on. Checking. Um, That's right. Dead dad loved me more. So... Obviously, he's got childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's got a narcissistic need to gain self-esteem through power and control. Obviously, he's a megalomaniac. All you. However, it wasn't all bad for this poor little rich girl. He grew up extremely rich. He was a literal prince and, by all accounts, was an extremely precocious and talented child. Okay, this is just creepy. (laughs) This is literally my life. This is really very much who you are and were. (laughs) His tutor was Aristotle. That's exactly who you have. <laughs> who do you know who Aristotle was? Uh, yeah, he's one of the philosopher people who did a lot of stuff and uh, foundation of society and philosophy. Literal, okay, it's like a, listening to the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, he was he was a great Greek philosopher. Good. Ten points for Gryffindor. Thank you. I'm a Slytherin. A quick editor's note from your pod mommy here. We don't condone she who must not be named, but we do very much condone the late great alan rickman he also basically founded western science so he was a pretty good tutor to have um alexander also got all sorts of fancy privileges because he was aristotle's dick he was at the royal court so one time for example when he was seven years old he got to entertain a persian group of ambassadors and persia are like the big enemy to greece that's my biggest fantasy hosting persian ambassadors inside me (laughs) sure (laughs) 
And so when he's, and he, he was basically filling in for his dad or something, he's seven years old and he's asking them all these questions about Persia and it's King and how well paved the roads are and all of these, like, I might want to go there one day. So I need to figure out like what it's like over there. But I'm a child. So, you but, know, but I'm a child. So they, assuming. they all think Very it's smart. really, they all think it's really cute. And they're like, Oh, what a precocious, talented young Sebastian boy. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, that's one story about him from his childhood. Actually, Small sidebar, do you remember that time you, as a precocious young boy, um, decided to make homemade wine and then bring it, very Di- Dionysus of you, by the way, and then bring it to a sleepover where you and your friends proceeded to vomit red wine everywhere, and that guy um, that thought it was blood and called mom in the middle of the night screaming, my son is vomiting blood because of your son. Which also could have I, just I do remember job. I do remember that fateful night when my the three coolest boys in school ratted on me. Um, however, I was actually going to point to another tale from my youth, mm. which is when I used to like to create like dinner soirees for mom and dad. Oh yeah, which I think is really um, such a little gay boy thing to do of like printing out the menus and i found one of them in france recently yeah. we have a villa in france uh, the maison maître actually and so I've, you can I've, rent it i felt that that was very alexander the great of me yeah it's only a shame that you're not good at cooking like me mm. just kidding you make delicious pasta. he also had a best friend and very possible lover named hephaestion who would become a powerful right-hand man to him throughout all of his conquests so he has a best friend he has a famous tutor you know it's not all bad did any of the other kids get aristotle as a tutor or did they get like i think so yeah he got brought up with like he got brought up with the other noblemen's children so none of them got socrates he was dead (laughs) 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 of course he had died 60 years previously um his other best friend was his horse so very much you. Bucephalus, uh, which means ox head. I was going to say that's actually your character. No. Yeah, my horse, my best friend. <laughs> Don't touch me there. That's how I feel about you. I'm sorry. Do you not remember that you had stables upon stables of fake horses that you used to make, like, touch each other? Of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah, so it's you. It is me. That's what I mean. I'm Alexander, and you are my horse. <laughs> named, <laughs> named cow head. <laughs> named cow face. Um, so <laughs> I see it now. I got. I'm, I'm catching on. The story of this horse is crazy. Um, <laughs> basically, they brought this horse to Philip, and the horse was so untamed and wild, and refused to let anybody mount him. And so Philip was like, "Take this horse away and bring me another." Alexander is there for whatever reason, and pipes up and says, "Well, actually, let me just read this direct quote." What a horse they are losing because for lack of skill and courage, they cannot manage him. For some reason, I thought Alexander the Great would have a much deeper voice. He actually had a high-pitched voice. I'll get to that in a second. But Philip, (laughs) that sounded like um, Princess Beatrice (laughs) from (laughs) the Windsors. So Philip is like, oh, you think you can do better? You think you can tame this obviously deranged horse? Another character trait that the horse <laughs> shares with you i do fi- i do identify now that you're explaining the horse more i identify a lot um except for the part of being mounted i'm fine with that <laughs> <True>. <laughs> perfectly fine being mounted 
<laughs> Duly noted. So Alexander runs to the horse and turns its face toward the sun so that it can no longer see its own shadow because he had very empathetically noticed that the horse was getting jumpy whenever it saw its own shadow. Idiot. So, so then he calms the horse down. He's like, shh. And then he mounts the horse and rides the horse. And everybody's like, oh, my God, what an incredibly precocious young man. What a tamer of horses. He's done a lot. So, so far, so far right? like a lot has happened in his life. And he's not even getting started yet. This is just like gathering intel. Absolutely. This is, act, like, this is act one. This is crazy. So my question now would be, what did he look like? And we actually mm. do have a lot of different accounts. We know, for example, that he had a fair complexion. Some say a ruddy complexion. What does ruddy mean? Ruddy means like r- reddish. Like a red, you know. When- I just wish you could use words that more people understand and not ones that only weird nerds like you understand. I'm here to expand. I'm here to grow. I'm not. So ruddy, I actually find this very hot when boys have that like flush of red. Do you <laughs> like know what I mean? Like our literal father had? no that's rosacea from drinking too much <laughs> but what you know like when boys have that like little like oh like the little up, up your up their cheeks yeah. i find that very attractive um another source said that there was a fra- a pleasant fragrance about his mouth and all his flesh so that his garments were filled with it so his sweat smelled good well yeah to me that reminds me of like you know teenage boys how they all have the same smell no, I went to an all-girls school. Teenage boys all smell like sweat and, like, cum. Like, it's just, like, a very – it's it's a thing. It's unbelievable that I'm attracted to men. It's, like, <laughs> it's really upsetting sometimes. So, anyway, that reminds me of that because all these gay Greeks were probably like, oh, he smells like cum. He smells so god. <laughs> he was also very muscular and compact. He was a, sh- he was a short king, apparently. A fast runner. He did not like other sports. He did not like boxing and wrestling. Those were the other big Greek manly sports. So he's sports. not gay. Why are we talking about him? Well, he liked running, which I think is kind of the, a gay sport because you like do it alone. And obviously all gay men are running from everything in their lives. <laughs> he apparently had blonde, messy hair. Wow. Your hair's not blonde anymore, though. And what? <laughs> not according to that envelope you brought to the sacrifice. Literally 50 years ago. Bash is 50 years old. One one eye was gray-blue and the other was dark brown, which I think is very like Sappho, Saffy? our daughter. So yes, he did have heterochromia. Okay, so wait. Wait, this Heter- this one's my next, okay. my favorite. And it also has to do with Safi. He apparently had sharply pointed teeth like little pegs. <laughs> um, So we'll just leave that there. He, I, he also had a high-pitched voice faggot and in keeping with the whole running thing he had a fast walk and a sort of nervous pace he was sort of restless you know okay literally you as you stroke your fingers through your hair like he was restless i don't know what to do (laughs) he we and we know all of this because there were a lot there was a lot written about alexander and he made sure that he had lots of people on his expeditions with him none of those accounts survived themselves but we have them you know we have people who used those sources. What? So it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Okay, let's break it down. <laughs> so people So wait. Alexander was alive <laughs> and then he did a lot of things and people wrote about them while he was alive. Yeah, of course. Right. I'm staying on those it. accounts, those sources don't survive. They don't they're not here anymore. <laughs> they didn't make it. Okay. <laughs> oh the papyrus doesn't survive. 
So I get that. The thing that does survive are other historians from the ancient world who used those sources, even though they were writing a couple hundred years after so, Alexander was alive. So the sources that were used and written about originally, the original sources were used by other historians. Yes. Therefore, the accounts. Yes, she's getting it. Are used. No, my point is the original they, accounts But we exist. can't be sure because it's like a game of telephone. It's like you don't know if that's the uh -huh. actual thing being quoted or not. But we History think it was. History is just like made up. L literally. <laughs> <laughs> the other question is, what was he like? <laughs> he was apparently very restrained as a boy and militaristic in his discipline. This is where it starts to deviate a little yeah, bit from me. Yeah, this isn't you. He eventually, though, loved to drink and developed a terrible temper and was a raging alcoholic. And now we're back. <laughs> The other thing that I find fascinating, not fascinating at all, actually, the, the thing that I think is so ironically boring about him is that he was not into sex, really, apparently. Why, so Again, why are we talking about him? Because he did all of these incredibly great murders. So <laughs> this is now, this is a true crime podcast, actually. So he, so this quote, I think is interesting. He said that sleep and the act of generation, aka slamming that pussy, chiefly made him sensible that he was mortal, which is to say that weariness and pleasure proceed both from the same frailty and imbecility of human nature. So basically it's like fucking and sleeping prove that you're weak and mortal. So I don't want to do those things because as we'll learn later, Alexander believed that he was divine. God, I'm the most mortal person in the world then. No. <laughs> All I care about is sleep and sex. True. And food. True. All the greats. Unfortunately for Alexander, everyone else in the world thought that fucking was a sign that you were a cool dude. So, and yeah. here's another, you're going to find this so eerie, this parallel between Olympias and mom. Olympias hired a whore for him once because she was worried about how little interest he took in women. And initially, Alex didn't take to her. So Olympias and his dad, she even got his dad, Philip, in were literally banging down his door being like, please fuck this whore that we got for you. <laughs> I do firmly remember when you were 13 and mom did that. <laughs> and she was like, he can't be gay. He can't be gay. When mom, when mother took me to the bordello. But just, I, I do think that would be so fun if when you, like as a rite of passage for gays, if you came out and your mom was like, just give me one shot. <laughs> <laughs> just one? Just one. I'm, Let's see. I'm totally cool with you being gay. Let's just do one thing. One thing first. <laughs> one thing first. Then you can have all of it that you want, all the sausage. But let's get you some meat flaps first. <laughs> meat flaps. So eventually, Alexander ascends the throne after a gay love triangle results in the murder of his father in broad daylight. Two years earlier. Alex Wait, what? Philip is dead now? I'll get there. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of t saying what happened first and to whet the listener's appetites. Oh, that's and then a great I'm way go to tell the a story. Details. Give away the... You start at the end. That's actually a very <laughs> common way of telling the story. Do you read the last page of a book before you start reading no, it? No, that's disgusting. So why are you doing that right now? But for... Ex okay, anyway, I don't have time for this. So Alexander has just distinguished himself two years before his dad dies <laughs> at one of his... Or maybe it was his first battle ever, the Battle of Chironia. This is fought in 338 BC. In Cairo. One of your nope. In <laughs> in Greece. Okay. And Alexander distinguishes himself because he leads the cavalry charge against the sacred band of Thebes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> so he leads his cavalry charge against the Sacred Band. The Sacred Band, as as listeners may know from the episode that I did on this, were a an infantry unit comprised of three hundred gay boyfriends. I remember okay? not listening so to that. So one hundred and fifty, <laughs> hundred and fifty couples or a hundred thruples, and they are literally slayed to the man. And they're all buried right there on the battleground because after Alexander totally annihilates them, Philip starts crying like an emotionally abusive cunt and is like, no one can say that these dudes weren't the bravest dudes in the gay dudes in the world. <laughs> and he's like, let's bury them right here. And we, and then if you, I know you're going to listen to the episode later, so I won't ruin it for you. <laughs> but basically modern people f- excavated the battleground and found like 270 skeletons down there. So like, this really happened. Wow. What if it was just a mass orgy? Also, Philip the pussy <laughs> That <acid>. resulted in <laughs> Yeah. Death. They all came to they death. All dr- they all drank Like Kool-Aid. teenage boys. Um, Philip sounds like a pussy for burying them. <laughs> That's my takeaway. <laughs> wow. the, world, the world, according to Lucy, is nasty, brutish, and short. So Daddy Phil starts to warm to Alexander when he sees... Wait, Daddy who? Daddy oh, Phil. Daddy Phil. Daddy Sorry. Phil. Dr. Okay. Phil. Daddy Philip. Okay. He starts to warm to Alexander when he sees how brave and good at killing he is. So things are going well for Alexander, but he's very impatient to start winning some glory for himself. He can't he can't achieve anything. It's kind of like when dad was alive and I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so I had to have him killed. <laughs> And so Alexander and Olympias what? were potentially <laughs> were potentially involved in the plot that took that I'm about to explain. Again, you But even <laughs> if they weren't, even if they weren't, it was a very happy coincidence for Alexander who was getting antsy. So Philip To kill his father? No, to take his father's place. He didn't, I, don't, I don't think he, I don't. I don't think he wanted to kill his father, but I think that Olympias might have been involved in this. So mom is always involved in your life. <laughs> a finger in every pot. So Philip is living it up after this homophobic battle, mm-hmm. where he kills all of the bravest boyfriends in Greece. Now Philip himself was was bisexual as well. He had many affairs with young men, including one guy who was apparently his hottest bodyguard named Pausanias of Orestes. Mm-hmm. Pause for effect. Pa- <laughs> pause for pause. <laughs> Put your pause up. Pausanias the Younger comes on the, comes on the scene. Very confusing, but what can I do? There are two pause. I don't know. Maybe you could have used a different account okay, let's of history. Call, let's call the younger one Pee-wee. So Pee-wee <laughs> shows up on the scene, um, and suddenly Philip is obsessed with him because Pausanias of Orestes, you know, has become 22 years old now, so obviously he's not somewhere? They're all of somewhere different? Well, I think back then your your identity was more tied to like where you came from. You know, they they also always say like Pausanias, son of blank, in order to distinguish people because everything was about like lineage and so it's like the land. Tiffany Pollard being New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I, just I want, think that's, that's really, really quite similar. Yeah. <laughs> so Pee Wee shows up on the scene, and Philip and is totally enamored of him. Pausanias of Orestes. The, H- the former HBIC is now ousted. The older Pausanias does what anyone would do in this situation and publicly accuses Pee-wee of being a hermaphrodite slut. <laughs> Literally. Again, the parallels to your <laughs> middle school. It's crazy. Literally my Tuesday last week. <laughs> so Pee-wee is unhappy at this rumor because he's not a hermaphrodite slut there's nothing wrong with that though there is nothing wrong with that whatsoever as lucy can well attest 
But eventually the rumor gets so crazy, Pee-wee can't really handle it. And he does another very common thing in these situations. He goes off to battle with King Philip and then in the heat of it, steps in front of his royal daddy, throws down his armor and all of his weapons and kills himself (laughs) by receiving all of the blows that were meant for his lover. It's the Roman thing to do. <laughs> it was. It is the Roman thing to Wait, do. Wait, uh, no, sorry. These are Macedonians. Don't confuse the I listeners. know. I know. I'm just because we were watching that show. Domina. Um, Great show, so by the way. So good. Watch it. Um, even if you don't understand history, oh my God. none what of it What if makes this sense. podcast takes off and then we start to become paid by history shows to promote their shows? That's our new goal. That's going to happen. You know what? Because we... Put uh, your finger in the sacrifice bowl. <laughs> ew. I forgot your cramps. <laughs> Um, well, I had like a joke lined up, but I forgot what you said. So, all right, let's go back into it. No, I forgot what you said. Can you say oh, it Pee-wee, all? Oh, Pee Wee killed himself. Pee Wee suicided himself in front of Alex or Philip? No, in front of Philip, his lover, King Philip, his lover, and it was like a romantic suicide to be like, I guess, to be like, hey, I'm not a hermaphrodite slut. I'm actually really romantic and brave. But take a look at my. <laughs> As little... the French say, chiffon, <laughs> <laughs> So back in the capital, a friend of Pee-wee, Attalus, decides to take revenge on Pausanias the Older, the Older and Hideous, um, because he's the one who spread the rumors and so brought it about that Pee-wee killed himself. And Attalus of? (laughs) I truly don't know. So he invites Pausanias the Elder to a party, gets him wasted on... Something interesting about the Greeks is that they made wine in a very strong way. I think in like almost like a vermouth way. Sick. So and they used to dilute their wine. So they they would always whenever you drank at a party, it was always watered down wine because regular wine was too strong. So they it might have been even stronger than vermouth. So Alexander, uh, sorry. So Attalus brings strong regular unwatered wine to this party and is like let's do it dudes <laughs> but pausanias is the only one who drinks it so he gets fucking swatted mate Aww. and then he loses consciousness and when he does Attalus sodomizes him and then hands him over to be gang raped by all of his servants okay again totally chill reaction to everything that had happened so pausanias the elder wakes up and is not can't walk feeling great <laughs> And accuses Attalus of this horror show in front of Philip and is like, Philip, I know we're not fucking anymore, but please I just got do fucked. something. Ooh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I would say raped, actually. So Philip has to try. So Philip is in a bind because he needs Attalus. Attalus is like a big fancy noble. He needs him for his army. So he can't punish him, but he also has to try to make Pausanias happy in some way. And okay. basically, at the end of it all, Pausanias says, no, sir, I'm done with people fucking me. And he conspires. Raping me. Yeah. And he conspires. I was speaking sort of metaphorically. It was kind of like a, a writing thing. Don't. Sort of like a, you know, what? it was kind of elevated. Oh, like a simile. An mm. alpha. What's the other one's called? What's the other one? <laughs> Actually, there is a word for when you use a word to mean multiple meanings. That's why I'm saying it. What does it mean? Anyway, so. Finally, at one of Philip's daughter's weddings. Instead, you come into my house on the day my daughter's to be married and you ask me for the murder. Money. In 336 BCE, Pausanias appears at Philip's side and just stabs him right in the ribs and he completely dies on the spot. 
Why is it always the ribs? You know, like because Adam your was heart made- is behind your ribs. So he stabs him in the ribs to kill him quickly and lethally. Why wouldn't you want to kill him slowly? Um, he well, he's doing this in rape. public, so I think he kind of wanted to get in and out of there quite quickly. That makes sense. That checks out. So then Alexander ascends the throne, takes daddy's place, and really starts bringing all of these bisexual Macedonian mafia vibes to the rest of the world. Okay. Up sounds next. Up- <laughs> <laughs> sounds super hot. Act two. All the butts of Babylon. Alexander ascends the throne, ascends, ascends, ass, okay. butts, ass. Alexander ascends the throne <laughs> in 336 BC, uh, right uh, after daddy dies. He has big shoes to fill. Alex also has big dreams. And his first stop is Greece because that's sort of his home base. And he needs Greek soldiers to go do what he wants to do. thought he was from Macedonia. Why isn't that his home He place? is. But Greece is a total mess. And so he has an opportunity to kind of take, take over and dom top them dom-top. so that he can go over to Persia, which is the real prize, and get the king there. <laughs> get that guy. Get that bad guy. Get him. Ooh. So, so he goes south to the city of Thebes. My favorite. Your favorite. And sacks it, raises it to the ground, enslaving thousands of conquered people along the way. Again, how do you raise something to the ground? What raise is- r-a-z-e <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing how you don't have like a high school education <laughs> i went to art school no it's um that's fair raise is a uh, a word that means to like burn completely destroy okay. something to the ground so he raises they just say burn he raises because raises is more confusing and you have to be a smart person to understand it. It weeds people out like you. No, this is a really accessible podcast. Um. (laughs) So he raises Thebes to the ground, this ancient Greek city, and that really terrifies everyone. It's a total, and that's exactly how Alexander meant it. He sort of was going to go in with one big bang and then scare everybody else into submission. And that very much works. Now, fun fact, back in Mastodon, Olympias, a.k.a mom is being equally cuckoo for cocoa pops she forces philip's young widow he had you know plenty of other wives she forces one of them a princess named cleopatra wait the no not the cleopatra cleopatra is a very common name for these greek um why if that if it's okay clearly so she (laughs) she forces one of philip's young widows clearly to watch as her infant daughter is burned alive oh my god and then she plays a fun game with Clicli uh, and gives her three gifts, a rope, some poison, and a dagger. And then she says, take your pick, and sort of walks away. <laughs> so Alexander is shocked when he hears about this. Again, just like mom. But, he also, but he also doesn't punish. <laughs> that is literally from her LinkedIn. <laughs> but, he, <laughs> but he also doesn't punish his mother, which everyone's sort of like, because Olympias can basically do whatever the fuck she wants while Alexander is away and doesn't have a queen. He hasn't left. He hasn't married anyone. He doesn't well, have yeah, a queen. Well, yeah, because she, has, she sleeps with a snake in her bed like Voldemort and she's been fucked Truly. by Zeus. So, Truly. like, why it's would just, you fuck with her? It's just Olympias and Nagini taking, <laughs> taking over. So, Alexander is also too busy because he's getting underway with the conquest of Persia. This is originally a Greek idea. So all of the city-states in Greece. Do you know about... So the... No. (laughs) I was about to ask you if you knew something about... um, States? 
Anyway. Alabama. So, <laughs> so the, in the previous century, Persia had tried to invade Greece. That's what the movie oh, like three. Sparta. Yes, that's what the movie three hundred yeah, is I about. Remember. So the Greeks famously repulsed them. Uh, repulsed? Or, that doesn't seem like the right word. You should try again. Well, repelled. They won. <laughs> Eventually, the Greeks won after the Persians came that. in and sacked a bunch of cities and stuff like I that. I saw the movie. But. Basically, Greece has been trying to get back at Persia since then. So it's now like almost 150 years later. And they have this idea. They go to Philip about it when he's still alive. They're like, hey, can you help us go fight Persia? Philip dies, gay love triangle, etc. So now his bisexual son has to do it. <laughs> They're really depending Just on... Just the way like, things go. This know? is really depending on these backwood people to like... Yeah, well, they have a better them. they have a better army. Oh. So Persia is also a... Just more logis- uh, strategically... Persia is a huge prize because it's the Big. richest and biggest empire nearby. Of course. It's it's a lot easier to go conquer that than to try to wrangle all the different Greek city-states who insist on being free. Boring. Before he can go conquer all the butts of Babylon, he ha- he takes a gay little trip to the ancient city of Troy, which oh, is in... Oh, Brad Pitt lives there. <laughs> where Brad Pitt has his home uh, in modern-day Turkey. So here, he and his best friend... Troy is in modern day I Turkey. I didn't know that. <laughs> Clear, clearly. <laughs> really from your utterly befuddled look, I, I gathered. So he and Hephaestion visit the twin tombs of Achilles and Patroclus. You remember Patroclus was Achilles' lover yeah, of course in the, I do. In the Trojan the War. Yeah. Alexander wants to cast himself as the modern day Achilles, modern in that, in his time, as the contemporary Achilles, right? Going okay. over to the east and conquering. So he goes and he very publicly sacrifices at the tomb of Achilles. And Hephaestion, his what totally, totally, what does he sacrifice? Yeah. Um, probably some hair and some face cream. <laughs> fungal cream, let's be clear. <laughs> face fungal cream. <laughs> so Hephaestion, meanwhile, is sacrificing at the tomb of Patroclus, which I always thought was that a very kind sense. of like, oh, who's top and who's bottom. And um, I think Alex is definitely the bottom, though. No, that's true. But actually, that is what the case was with Achilles and Patroclus, because the real deal was that Patroclus was older. So he would have been the top and Achilles would have been the bottom. Not a lot of people know that. I personally feel like Alex and like Achilles, they would want to be Dom topped because they have to like do so much and be so intense. Yes. That they want to yes. like be submissive, and I, you know, why I know that bash is because I like to be submissive in bed. <laughs> and you and are also am... a military strategist <laughs> working day in and day out to take back the Middle East. That's right. <laughs> so after after Alexander, the new Achilles, and Hephaestion, the new Patroclus, make their sacrifices, they then strip down and play games in the nude around the tombs for a couple of days. That doesn't seem very. This is nice. all completely platonic. And then in 334 BC, the things start really kind of building up from here on out. Okay. What's that? Zero to hero, <laughs> just like that. that. So in 334 Copyright. BC, the Battle of Granicus takes place. This is the first battle against the Persian Empire. And Alexander wins and shows that he is really not to be trifled with. The Persian army was also not as good as the Greeks. They were kind of disorganized and poorly managed. It looks so- pretty intense in 300. Well, that was several hundred years before when they were actually the most powerful empire in the Mediterranean. So why does he? Why does Alex want them if they're not the most powerful anymore? 
they're still the biggest and the richest. They're di- oh, they right. just don't have the most powerful military right. anymore. And Alexander is going to take advantage of that. So th- I think they have fewer men generally in most of these battles with the Persians, and they win. Alexander almost never lost a battle, from what I recall. He never lost a major battle. However, in this first one, he did almost fucking die because he's okay. fighting in close quarters with this Persian noble or something. The guy uh raises his sword to kill him and then he stabbed alex stabs him but he doesn't see a guy behind him raising another sword and smashing him so hard on his helmet that the metal literally splits in two again these are all eyewitness accounts And then Alexander manages to turn around and stab that guy. And then another guy shows up and is literally about to kill Alexander. And this guy named, this Macedonian soldier named Kleitos shows up and hacks the man's arm off at the shoulder and saves Alexander's life. So it was like very hit or miss for a moment there for Alexander. The Battle of Granicus is then kind of like a hit of poppers for the rest of the Middle East. It just opens it right up. Remember when we used to do poppers like when we were 13 for fun? Yeah. And now you still do them? I definitely (laughs) still do them. So the Middle East just opens right up, and Alexander and his armies push right down, (laughs) push right on down through the Levant, which is modern day Lebanon, Israel, Palestine, all of those, and takes all of these cities. All of those are one? Well, they're not, they're all sort of, they're not all Explain separate countries. Explain the history countries. of the Middle East to me. <laughs> <laughs> Starting at the beginning. <laughs> um, no, so he pushes right down through the the Levant okay. and the Levant, the Levant, I actually don't know. And all of these cities fall to his armies and eventually he makes it to the very wealthy kingdom of Egypt. Now. Alexander's going to take a little break in Egypt because there's... (laughs) Cleopatra won't be alive for (laughs) another 200-odd years. and But it's a very rich country, so he wants to enrich his men. Obviously, they're they're looting. They're taking all the spoils. That's why they're on this whole... R-wording, everyone. That's why they're on this roller coaster of a journey. And he also has some admin to take care of, like like getting himself declared a god. Which happens? Why would you do that in Egypt? Because the because in Egypt they had a longer history of pharaohs being seen as gods. So he gets oh, there and course. he's like, "I'm king of all the y'alls," and they're like, "Oh, okay, go to the oracle and see if you're <laughs> a god." And actually, this is an interesting um, ancient Greek pun. So uh, yeah, that is Sa- never hey, a line. Awake, wake <laughs> up. So he goes to the oracle, and the oracle has a very thick accent. So he says, instead of saying, oh, paidos or something, which means, oh, my child, the, the, he says, oh, paidos, which means, oh, child of Zeus. Oh, it sounds like Oedipus. Or, oh, child of God. Yeah, it does kind of, except, yeah, uh, flipped around. Um, That's an int- that is an interesting pun. I'll give you that. That is. It's not really a pun so much as it is a play on It's wordplay. It's word. A pun is literally wordplay. <laughs> like, I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. We don't have time to learn English as well as history. One other gay scene that takes place while they're in Egypt is that Alexander has set up this military camp for a while in what will become the city of Alexandria. So this is a very important city in the ancient world known yes. for its... Constantinople Pole. 
nope. So it's What's library, it? the library oh, of Alexandria. Oh, of course. Now, the fun gay story is that before it's built, all of these architects are vying for the commission to draw up the plans for the city. And one of them named Dinocrates, who is a very... Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. So Dinocrates is a very handsome architect. He's trying to get the job. He comes up with a cunning plan to get all oiled up and naked and shit and dress up as Hercules with a lion pelt over his shoulders and a club and then go to a party and just like sort of wait for Alexander to notice him. Question. So he decided to dress up as Alexander's brother. Uh, because sort of. He's the son. Her Hercules is the son of Zeus. And Alexander, yeah. of course, is Half too. brother. Half brother. Yeah. So, okay. So Different mothers. Different mothers. Well, that is certainly. I but that was yeah. That's very astute. No. I have a feeling that you <laughs> deduced that due to having watched the film Hercules. Well, well yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows Hercules is Zeus's it, son. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Me and my guy. What do you want from me? Of course, boy? that's how I know. That's. <laughs> what do you think? Okay, so back to the party uh -huh. though. Yeah. So Alexander's at the party and he sees this really stunning naked oiled up guy and it's like i you know it's something about that naked guy over there i think he's probably a really good architect and so dinocrates comes and gets an audience with alexander and he is sufficiently impressed with his body and mind that he gives him the commission of designing this new metropolis how do you design an entire I know. Yeah, that's like crazy and de designing an entire city. Okay, but eventually the army gets antsy and it's time to go after the real prize, which is Persia. Of course. So they head east. Okay, so it, for map time, map time, right? You know where Egypt is. We can't do English, map, and history. <laughs> on, we can't man. do map. You can't make me do map also. That was my least favorite in kindergarten. Okay, we don't have to do math. No, I understand. It's over here, and per they're going that Persia way. Persia is like Iraq, Iran, uh, I know. I actually, Afghanistan, I, all of that. God. I went to school for this. <laughs> for this one day where you covered the Persian Empire? Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I took humanities. He, so Alexander rushes east. D King Darius III of the, of the Persian Empire actually tries to offer him a deal, and it's like, Dude, I will give you my throne. Like, please don't kill me. Please. <laughs> and, and I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so Darius is um, a little bitch. And Alexander is like, absolutely not. I will take everything that you have and your family and all of your money and blah, 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 blah. But he just said he could have that. So why didn't he just? Because he has to get the glory. He doesn't. He doesn't want to just oh, be right. given. I forgot he was it. a megalomaniac. Right. So <laughs> big word. <laughs> he goes learned on this podcast. It's working. I read it yesterday. So anyway, Alexander and his army defeat the Persians at the Battle of Gagamela. So he inherits all of Darius's household, including his wife, her family. And he treats them all very well. <laughs> Put your tongue back in your <laughs> I'm mouth, just, please. I'm waiting for you to say, and his little boys. And and oh. all of his many handsome eunuchs, including one named Bagoas, which is a really... Bag, bag of ass? Bag, bag of ass. Oh, my God. Yeah, never saw that. So ba Bagoas, Bagoas, <laughs> no one knows. He is a very handsome eunuch. Nobody knows where he comes from. He might have been a noble, though, and, like, something, some bad shit happened to him. Blood sold. 
Yeah, and then he basically got trained to be a eunuch. Do all eunuchs sing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but if they don't, it's sort of like, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? I thought that was the whole... I know in, like, monks or in monasteries, that's why they would, like, cut it off. So they could be like... Oh, well, the castrati. That's a different thing. I don't think they did that. No, for for these eunuchs, it was more about them not being... They took care of the women in the in the women's part of the palace. So they were not male threats because they didn't have... They couldn't Perform. jack them. They couldn't jack them They couldn't time. jack them big time. God, I want a eunuch. Actually, I'm not sure. Bagoas might have only come over when Darius is executed. So Darius really tried... They, Alexander tried to be chill and be like, Darius, come. Come over to... I, it's fine. Come. Well, Alexander said, it's okay. Come after Darius. Already said, you can have my After throne. he beat him. After he beat him. That is... Because honest, Alexander... That's a fucking crazy crazy thing to do well one thing about alexander that i think is interesting is that yes he was a bloodthirsty megalomaniac but he did treat people but he had a kind heart (laughs) (laughs) he was kind of a mensch he did treat people well after he killed all of their families (laughs) so anyway alexander and his uh murderous armies take all of the major cities of the persian empire so babylon which is in iraq and then Susa, which is the administrative center of the Persian Empire, and then Persepolis, which I think is more like the old, ancient, like incredible, beautiful city. Um, Yeah, it actually is supposed to be still nice. I think it's called Isfahan now in Iran, but obviously I am not allowed to go there. (laughs) Oh, right, because of the gay thing. The gay thing. So, I mean, I'm a woman, so. you, You would not fare much better. When they get to Persepolis, they have a big ass party after they, you know, get the the city is in their control. And a fun little fact here. I love when you say fun little fact because it's usually not. Come on, the, some of the I'm stories I told were fun. You're very thin. Of course, they're very fun. So when they get to Persepolis, right? They are having a drinking party, and one of the whores. She's a courtesan. She's not a whore. Uh, I remember one of my professors once was like, courtesans are not whores. Don't call them that. And That's I was like, my really? They, <laughs> really? They get gifts for having sex with people. So That's like a sugar baby. Yeah. It's an escort, yes. But ultimately, they are expected to fuck. So, And this one is Athenian. And she suggests that they burn the palace down as revenge for Persia burning the Acropolis in Athens a century and a half ago. Is that why it looks like that? Uh, No. Interesting to note, though, that there are women in this army, right? Like they're they're not fighting, but they had wives that they picked up along the way. They had hookers. They had courtesans. There were philosophers. Um, there a were woman philosopher. How there dare were, you? No, not woman philosophers, but geographers, scientists. Like Alexander used this expedition. He wrote lots of letters back home to Aristotle about what he was seeing oh, and what right. he was learning. So that is one thing that is interesting about Alexander is that he used this big conquest crazy thing as a way of gathering knowledge and spreading greek culture okay so he has a kind heart <laughs> he spreads maybe knowledge we, maybe and we culture. actually love I think him we are switching a little bit like switch just a tiny bit he's not a complete fuckhead no he, but i just think... i have oh god dr r really we got to talk about that because i think i have a problem what i'm attracted to you're alexander now attracted to alexander yeah, the great i'm attracted to funk it's fuck definitely toys. true <laughs> <laughs> bags the ball list joins the army they 
get all the money from Persia. They get a huge amount of wealth once they take these cities in Persia, because as we said, it's the richest empire. They eventually make it all the way to India. And along the way, of course, Bags and Alexander get closer and closer. Alexander also during this time marries a woman named Roxana. Uh, she is, of course, immortalized by Rosario Dawson <laughs> in the oh. biopic with Alexander in one of the craziest accents that anybody has ever heard in a film not movie. That. I know. Maybe we should watch that later. Mm. Okay. So there's also a scene in that biopic when Alexander gets into bed with bags and you can see the side of Colin Farrell's balls. That I would be interested. So can that... we watch just that part? <laughs> Have you ever right. seen Colin Farrell's sex tape? Well, I was just going to say, it's like it's not oh. that cool to see side frontal of Colin Farrell's junk when you could just see his full raging boner in that sex tape. Mm. But yeah, I have seen it, and it is hot. It's really hot. With his Irish accent. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like some kind of hell monster from under the ground. Of course, Alexander was also known for his restrained libido, as we said earlier, to the point that there are stories that he even refused boys that were offered him by his friends. So one time, for example, he was eyeing his buddy's boyfriend at a party and his buddy Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, of course, pronounced Charon in um, Greek, but we'll call, no, it, we'll call him Karen. Karen tells his lover to go give Alexander a kiss, and Alexander refuses with this reply. I'm not kissing Karen. <laughs> no, he says, that will not delight me so much as it will pain you. So obviously, he's just, he's just kind of like a stick in the mud when it comes to anything It sounds sexual. like he's protecting his friend. He that is. Would pain you. Okay, so again, a lovely quality about Alexander the Great. He wants to protect his friends. I know, but it's like... Don't be such a pussy. Don't be like, why is... Don't be gay. I guess for me reading it now as a gay man, I'm like, where is the stuff where it's like sexy hot time? Well, and he's denying that to me. Yeah. He's doing a hate crime on me <laughs> by doing that. So after the army gets to India, they force Alexander to turn around because they're like, we want to go home. We're tired. And I know map is not your specialty, but... India is actually very far from Macedonia. So the fact that they marched all the way over there is fucking crazy. Of course. He, Alexander, is very upset when the army forces him to turn around. He wants to make it all the way to the Indian Ocean. He can't. He's obviously crushed. He starts to turn more and more to drink. This is when we get start to get the stories of lots of drunken fits that I'll get into in a moment. But we also just to Found wrap up, just to wrap it up on bags. You are cowhead. <laughs> cowhead. Cowhead. I think w stayed alive for a long time too. Cowhead was. Cowhead lived for like thirty three years. Oh, that's longer than most of the people in this story live. <laughs> yeah. So back to bags before we get to the raging alcoholic section. Bags was Alexander's lover and favorite, and everyone in the army kind of knew it. But it, I think they probably also kind of respected him because he suffered through all of this shit with the army. Like, they hmm. marched through the Hindu Kush, and then they also had to march through the desert of Gedrosia, incredible what? drag name, which is like south, uh, southern Iran, southern, modern hmm. southern Iran. Okay. And it's just like a straight up desert. And they had to walk through a desert. Alexander lost a third of his men walking through that desert. On their way back, the beautiful bags also won a dancing contest. We have this story where 
because they put on lots of contests for like so singers much. and dancers. I know, like a lot of this is happening over months and months of time, you know. So it's not like I'm, I'm obviously going at quite a quick clip, but there was a lot of time, a quick clip. Oh, oh, but oh. they had a lot of time on their hands, so they they frequently stop. They have their drinking party. They have their festivals. Blah blah blah. And so at one of these <laughs> dancing contests, Bags wins. And the crowd is cheering for Alexander to give him a kiss. And when he does, (laughs) and when he does, the crowd goes so wild and they're like, do it again, bro, do it again. And Alexander is like, okay. And so he goes (laughs) and he does it and he plants another juicy one on the beautiful bags. And that's kind of the last time that we hear about bags, I think, in the sources. And he's just kind of nice. It's a nice, it's a nice end for bags. So they had made it all the way to India and they're coming back to Persia and the cracks are sort of starting to show, right? Alexander is staying up all night a lot. He's getting drunk a lot. He's also more and more convinced that he's divine, which is starting to piss off his Macedonian soldiers uh, because they don't believe that their rulers are divine. That's like an Egyptian thing. Oh. And and kind of a Persian thing. So he makes everybody prostrate themselves uh, on the floor before him. Prostrate means, for the listeners? It is the area in a man's buttoms. I honestly... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Why, why has no one ever said the word buttom? They probably <laughs> buttom. have. History is long, Bash, as you know. It's true. So, no, prostrate is lying full down on the floor in front of the, the person. Okay, I'll do it right now. So... So he also pisses them off because he adopts a number of foreign customs. Like he wears um, a a mixture of Macedonian and Persian clothing. And from his point of view, he's doing this so that the Persians look at him as a ruler, a legitimate ruler as well. But for the Macedonians, they're like, "Um, why are you dressing different than us? And he also wears a a royal diadem, like a, a crown. And that was a big deal because Philip had never worn a crown. He had sort of equalized himself with the nobles. And so Alexander was obviously trying to elevate himself by, you know, saying he was a literal god. But at the same time, it sounds like Alexander was trying to mix cultures together and sort of move forward and bring people together by... The way that you're suddenly an Alexander the Great scholar... I'm just saying, maybe (laughs) he's not as bad as you... No, I, I love it. I feel like that's true, that he was trying to do that. Um, Again, he's awful and murdering. But, but what he did to get there would, from my... Yeah, but what, at what it, cost? At, oh, the cost of hundreds of thousands of lives. I mean, nothing. They would have died anyway. So at one point, after their, all of this discontent, all of his teenage bodyguards decide to revolt against him. And Hot. they end up fucking it up because Alex stays up all night on the night that they're supposed to kill him in his sleep. And so their plot fails and a few of them are put to death. Part of the reason they were upset was also that a few weeks earlier, Alexander had just totally killed Clytus, the guy who had saved him. Clitus. Clit. I, that's he, so far back. I can't remember No, the that. guy. You know the guy in the Battle of Granicus? You remember the Battle, Battle of Granicus? <laughs> right, you know the Battle of Granicus. Of course, Granicus. How could <laughs> the, I forget? The, ba- the guy who saved him then was this guy named Clytus. Oh, the guy with the sword. With the, gotta, gotta, and gotta. so they're at this drinking party. It's actually a festival of Dionysus. Alexander randomly sacrifices to two other gods, uh, Castor and Pollux, who are like these twin brother gods. And his nobles end up praising him at the drinking party, saying that he should have gotten the sacrifices instead of the brother gods because he's done more than them in his short time. 
And then Clytus gets up and he's like, this is disgusting. All of these sycophantic courtiers are ruining you and turning you into the worst kind of ruler. Yeah. Clytus also says that Alexander deeds are like not all that great. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. And that for the most part, everything he's done has been thanks to the Macedonians, which also very true. And something that I always hate about like the individual way that we, you know, lionize people in history. It's like, they didn't do it without like all of their armies and stuff like Alexander the great, like he wouldn't have done it without the fucking armies. Macedonia the great. So then the Royal Brown nosers go in for Philip and say, you know what? Philip wasn't that great. And you're actually so much better and hotter than him. And this uh, tiny, compact, blonde, tiny, compact, mouth smelling. (laughs) So at that point, Clytus loses it when they start saying that Philip was no good because Clytus is older and he served with Philip. And he literally says to Alexander, you would not be here without me. Just as I once said to you. (laughs) Okay, I'm not triggered. We're going to need to take a break really quickly. I need to call Dr. R. So at that point, Alexander loses it and the accounts differ, but he apparently jumped up, grabbed a javelin and just ran Clytus through with it. And everyone's sort of like, uh, <laughs> you seem to really like javelin. Okay. <laughs> um, kind of weird that you're stabbing someone to death at this like religious festival where we're all drinking in honor of Dionysus. So eventually they get back to Persia. Stuff is starting to go wrong. Like a lot of people have been fucking around because Alexandra tried to always leave natives in charge of the different territories that he conquered. Big mistake. And so then all of the natives were just like, okay, bye dad. When he went over to India, because they thought that he wouldn't make it back. And they start fucking around and like collect you know skimming too much off the top collecting taxes blah 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 blah. yeah you do the same thing because it would take him another like what 10 years to walk over there right exactly so it's a total mess i would have done this is another reason that i'm like oh alexander the great like he's kind of a one-hit wonder he's only good at conquering he's not good at keeping the empire together like what's the point if you i mean all the people are just gonna go back to their normal ways after you move forward right. basically what you just said right something i agree with <laughs> wait, wait wait my idea what you said yeah. so the other fun thing that he does at this time is put on a mass marriage between his macedonian nobles and as well as himself and all of these high-ranking persian women so again this is about trying to do the cultural like coming together and it's a very cool smart thing to do yeah. He, yeah well he does like a he does about 80 weddings of these Persia, of these Persian noblewomen and Macedonian noblemen. pre part of it? <laughs> Will I have the right? <laughs> More questions for Lucy's upcoming conquest of Persia. He, the, this actually proves quite popular, and but the Macedonians are mad that Alexander forces them all to celebrate the marriages in the Persian fashion. I would also just like to say that there is nothing gayer than putting 80 weddings on at one time. <laughs> It reminds and me of planning like, them. And, yeah. Different color like, themes, different colorways. And being like, no, we're doing them the Persian way because we're in Persia. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's like 324 BCE at this point. Great year. Hephaestion is dead <laughs> from a fever. And that sends Alexander into a depression drink tailspin. The fact that you can just die when you get a fever is crazy. Like, Yeah. So Alexander sinks into a depression because his literal boyfriend just died. And 
Uh, there are a few ways that I'd like to go over that he responds to this. So, number one, he crucifies the physician who failed to save Hephaestion. Completely. Crucifies him dead for failing to save him. And it's not like a half crucifixion. No, no, no I actually understood what crucifying <laughs> means. Crucify myself every day. And then he promptly throws his best dead buddy a multi-million dollar funeral the most lavish that the ancients had ever seen. He also... Again, a very, very kind man. And he also sends to Egypt to ask the oracles there if he can start sacrificing to Hephaestion as a god. The oracle is like, "Mm -mm, that's weird, but you can sacrifice to him as a hero. So when he becomes a hero, when Hephaestion can get hero sacrifice, then Alexander does a fun little thing where he chases down all these tribes that are acting weird and kills them all to the man. Well, well he wasn't feeling well. And <laughs> he offers them all to the shade of Hephaestion. So that's sort of his sacrifice. He also says he's going to spend 10,000 talents of gold on Hephaestion's tomb. And he gets Dinocrates to draw up plans for it. Um, and just to put that in perspective, t- 10,000 talents of gold is about one-fourth of all of the coin that they inherited when they took over the Persian Empire. So it's like... Kind of a lot. So that's like he secured the bag and then he spent a quarter of the bag. On his boyfriend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, again, kind of a sweet again, guy. I want to date him. So his next idea is to go up to Babylon for some reason. Babylon. <laughs> Babylon. Babylon. And his commanders tell him not to go there. It's foretold that he going to die. He gets there and apparently he sees Dies. a lot of ravens flying around the city and he's like, that's probably nothing. <laughs> but obviously ravens signify gay death. Other weird omens start to happen. The strongest lion in his menagerie is kicked to death by a donkey. Again, literally our childhood. <laughs> so he continues to try to rule all of his far-flung territories, but he's getting more and more paranoid that things are not going well, afraid that people are trying to come for him. And then he goes out one night and has a bender, stays up all the next day drinking. God, literally my life. He comes down with a fever. Um, actually, one of dies. the in one of the yeah no he's about to die. Uh, in one of the sources I read, there was something called they talk about um, this thing called a bowl of Heracles, which was like a really strong drink of some kind. And the historian like makes a point of being like, just so you know, he did not drink a bowl of Heracles. <laughs> So he totally drank a bowl. So he does come down with a fever, though, and then he is really thirsty because he has a fever. And instead of drinking water, he drinks a bunch of wine, and then he died. (laughs) Again, pretty much how I've predicted that you're going to die. Yeah. A little afternote to this is that Alexander had married this mountain princess woman named Roxana Rosario Dawson. Oh, right, right, right. And after Alexander dies, she called in his other wife to her room. On her phone? She <laughs> she picks up her iPhone. She texts... Uh, st- st- <laughs> it's really a lot of... <laughs> she texts this chick named Statera. Ask your doctor if non-stimulant Statera is right for you. Who is Darius's uh, ex-wife. Gets her to come to her bedroom and murders the fuck out of her. She's Why? pregnant. And... Uh, murders all of her sisters and then throws their bodies down a well. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like mother-in-law, like daughter-in-law. Because... Oh, yeah, what happened to his mom? 
she i think outlived him if really? i recall yeah she outlived him That's i'm pretty sure she is she might be the daughter of zeus she definitely had something going on also i my a question that's just been burning in my head this whole time um now that we've gone through this whole whole story is can you nix pee can you nix pee yeah that's the question i <laughs> okay this is a question that i do know a lot about <laughs> from personal experience do you pee um uh, <laughs> I think the thing about Unix is that you usually just get the balls cut off. It's not the um, the whole shebang. Okay. But like I think sometimes they did get the whole shebang cut off. And then in that case, I'm sort of like, yeah, how does that? Do they just like leak? You know, I don't know. I think it's definitely unfair if they got the whole shebang cut off. I think we should buy someone. and we The should, whole shebang. We should do a human experiment. And that is the life of Alexander the Great. Act three. Does anyone or Lucy care? Negative. <laughs> so I think when we're thinking about does anyone care about Alexander, we already covered a lot of this, but there is the thing of like, okay, he conquered all of that territory. Yes, he's a great military strategist. But and he's then a it, great guy. <laughs> but then it all sort of fell to pieces and he couldn't yeah. manage any of it. So yeah, he's great at killing people, but you can't just kill, 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 kill all the time. So I, he did found a lot of cities and he mm. does seem to have been a little bit less racist than his Macedonian brothers in terms of genuinely respecting Persian kind. culture. He did love his best friend and other stuff, but and he did also drunkenly stab that other guy. But so that's just one person. <laughs> I don't think it was just one person that no, he drunkenly killed. But I do think he fundamentally probably regretted every night and that's what drove him to drink. Sure. So I think that, you know, the self-awareness of Alexander the Great is what I'd like to focus on in this part three. Um, the, so that's what I care about. That's my takeaway. I think he was great at killing people, but I'm not sure he was a great man. I, I agree with that. He doesn't sound like much of a man at all. Next point. <laughs> Do we want Alexander to be gay? I believe not. <laughs> I think... I thought he was bi. I think if you're going to be gay and not care about doing sex, that... That's not... Like, it's cool. It's fine if you're asexual, whatever. Like, no, everyone can do whatever they want. But I just feel that if you're Alexander the Great, then you have to show up with some kind of, like, something. Like, some sodomy, some blowjobs, yeah. some, like, some anything. I mean, I will, I just find it dull, you I know? I agree. Like, what's his grinder tribe? Celibate? Narcissist? <laughs> That's literally your tribe. <laughs> <laughs> Celibate <Nope>. by choice? <laughs> That is me. Um, no, I do find it. I Again, I had no idea about any of this historically. No, I know. <laughs> we all know. No, but I'm trying to make the point that like I knew nothing about this. I, coming on this podcast and now you know, really carrying it, thought that <laughs> there would be a lot more talk about him like just raw dog nailing some people and yeah. like, fucking the shit out of them, which I, I wanted to climax when I came here is the thing. <laughs> I was planning on... Climaxing. As your brother, I'm very proud that I prevented that. I imagine you text Alexander the Great on Grinder, and he he's like, "Come over." Ooh, that's a series we should do. And then and then you get there, and he's like, "We're not fucking, and we are not sleeping." <laughs> <laughs> do you want some Heracles? <laughs> <laughs> do you want a bowl of Heracles? Yeah, he would have red Did wine. I say it right? He Heracles. He would have red wine, which is cool. What? 
Oh, well, no, because I'm sober. I think the other thing related to... Don't care. I think the other thing related to gay men that's interesting is that mm -hmm. there is some, there's something about Alexander the Great being gay, bisexual, whatever, that we're like, we kind of want that as gay men because we're like, oh, like he can be a, a macho warmongering soldier, like... You know, like, we can do that, too. And then he can have a high voice and... <laughs> <laughs> right. A warmongering conqueror <laughs> who's also a soprano. Um, but is famously a baritone. In he, the... Of course I am, because I'm a real man. <laughs> he wants... He, but I think, like, not that everyone in the gay community these days is talking about Alexander the Great. <laughs> That's exactly the joke I was going to make. It's like we have the same mind. But I think we do want that type of gay to exist as well. Like, we want it... Well, yeah. We want it to be possible. So Alexander also kind of gives me, like, toxic masculinity vibes for the gay community. That's why I'm attracted to him. Because, of course, gays are no strain. <laughs> Because he's gay and toxically masculine. You need both. You need both to get there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think he's he's a great conqueror, fine, whatever. But he's also a great toxic masculine destroyer. Yeah, I mean, most men in history, I mean, I'm yourself included, are toxic. Thank you for calling me a man in history. No, no. no, I th I feel that nobody's perfect, but Alexander kind of feels like that friend who always takes it too far. So literally kind of me. like you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excessively violent, often mm. driven to drink. Yep. Known for stabbing family members. And self. <laughs> okay. <laughs> too far? Too, too far, soon? probably. Too, too far. Soon. Let's warm up to the self-harm talk. <laughs> you didn't have to name it. <laughs> I also have nothing. What? No, I was just saying I have nothing. <laughs> in your life <laughs> nothing to live for <laughs> okay and on that cheery note i think it's time to go if you like what you hear give us a little five star rating on apple or spotify google podcasts yeah that's right just like that mommy likes when you listen and follow us at historical.homos on instagram.com blah 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 oh and on tiktok because we're also going to be posting there from now on there, yet, but it's going to there is something there there are funny videos that were made by our beautiful producer alex okay. you lying bitch anyway love you bye love you guys <laughs>